Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined by Inside Texas' Ian Boyd, X's and O's expert. Uh, Ian, welcome to the show. Happy Sunday to you. Uh, welcome to all the Longhorn fans as well. Uh, you and I uh, talked on Friday, actually, Ian, about some of what we're going to talk about today on Sunday. Uh, then Paul Wadlington and I on Saturday also got into uh, the difference between 11 personnel and 12 personnel. Texas primarily a 12 personnel team this past year. This coming year, we expect them to play much more from the 11 personnel uh, uh, grouping since they have the personnel groups to do that. Um, also, on Thursday, you wrote about uh, the need and what people will try to do to stop the Texas run game uh, and who could possibly stop the Texas run game. You mentioned to me uh, on, you know, before this show, how you think that kind of coalesces and comes together into a, a larger overall point. I want to get your take on exactly what you mean by all of that and kind of go deeper on that today. What, what is your initial thought that you want to kind of impart to people? Well, I think Paul is definitely right that, you know, last year Texas was a throw two tight ends out there on the field, pound the ball with Bijan or Roshan, and then take shots from max protection with like seven or eight blockers for Quinn Ewers. You know, Quinn Ewers is dropping and then trying to throw to a spot for Xavier Worthy, which, you know. Or the over route to Jordan Whittington. That was a favorite too. Well, that one, that, and that one was uh, very good to Texas. Um, the, uh, the post to Worthy was not efficient for Texas at all. It was terrible. The overall was great. Um, but anyway, the team will almost surely look different next year, as Paul was talking about. They're going to spread the field more. That probably plays to Queen Ewer's strengths more as a kid growing up in Texas, throwing the ball around in the spread. It allows Texas to make the use of all these talented receivers they have. But defenses, they're not going to just play Texas the same way they did last year. They're not going to load the box against this team. They, Even if they wanted to try to match up against the passing game, they probably can't. There's just too much talent, too much firepower. So it changes the whole equation for Texas from last year. The big question was, can they hit enough of those deep shots to Worthy to um, get teams to back off? This year, it's going to be like the opposite. It's can they get enough yards running downhill on the dive to get teams to sneak up and uh, not load everyone back up on the back end. I think that's going to be one of the main questions of the season. And, and explain what you mean by that. So they need Jonathan Brooks, basically, to be efficient, right? They don't need him to be the super superhuman that B. John Robinson was, but they need him to be an efficient downhill runner and or him or someone else taking that ball, right? Yeah, they, they need to be able to run the ball when teams back everybody off in a way that keeps the chains moving. Like, like you just said, they don't have to be great at it, but they can't, they can't be running the ball for negative one yards, zero yards, four yards, negative, you know, they, and it doesn't have to be 20 yard chunks, but they need to be able to keep the offense on schedule when those teams do that. And then of course they need to be able to run the ball in third and one or, or the red zone. It, yeah, the, the interesting thing to me that you had in your article, and, and one of the things I want to uh, you know, segue to now, is the idea that a couple of teams in the Big 12, TCU, maybe Texas Tech, uh, maybe uh, some others, 
have the guys up front to kind of stymie that Texas run game enough to give them a chance to cover Texas with six or seven in the back end. Which teams, Yeah, well, I mean, just telling you, which teams really have that kind of firepower in the Big 12? Yeah, I think the teams, the teams, I mean, a lot of teams are going to need to drop eight, I think. Um, with JT Sanders matched up on linebackers, that is a big problem before you think about whether their corners can handle Xavier Worthy or, or Edie Mitchell or whatever. Um, Iowa State is always very good at this. They've got another great nose tackle named Dominique Brown. They have one inside linebacker back from last year who's very good. They have another guy that's transferring in from Missouri. They're always very, very good at holding up while dropping eight and keeping safeties back. So that that is an obvious team that'll be a, a good challenge for Texas to move the ball against. I don't know if Iowa State is necessarily a good challenge to beat Texas uh, for obvious and not yet obvious issues that they may or may not have with their team this season, right? Um, Kansas State has some of those same dynamics, but they're smaller. They have a lot more of a pass rushing, pass defense kind of unit. Texas bullied them a little bit last year. Uh, there's a chance that they could do that again. Kansas State has to replace their nose tackle. They have this enormous guy named Usa Sumalo, who's listed at 6'3", 340 pounds, that they're going to ask to do that. Um, 6'3", 340? Yeah. yeah. One full Coburn <laughs> in the middle. So, but uh, they are small at defensive end. I mean, they were they had Eli Huggins last year. He wasn't that big, but he was very, very good. Um, but Texas ran on him because their ends were small. That's going to be true again this year. So I, I don't know that Kansas State is is ideally built for it. And then um, TCU has got a good nose tackle and demon and I always want to say demonic Dominique Williams. And uh, they also they're like the one other team in the Big Twelve besides Texas that has experience in the secondary and multiple potential NFL players that can play coverage. So they might still man up Texas and try to load the box. Um, that game in Fort Worth is going to be very interesting. But like Iowa State, while they have a defense that may have a chance against Texas, their offense is considerably less imposing than some other teams. Let's talk about Texas Tech. Because yeah. they play a little bit different style of defense mm -hmm. um, than those other guys. What, what about the Red Raiders? Is that a team? They, they have a, a couple of good defensive tackles coming back, in my opinion. Yeah. So Texas Tech has some pretty good players up front, but they're, they're good at executing a different style. They're not good at executing a drop everyone back, keep teams in front of you style. Um, Texas Tech played a lot of man coverage or single high coverage last year. They played a lot of press man on Texas last year, especially when Worthy went out of the game. They were just manning everybody up in press coverage and daring Texas to land shots. They return a lot of their defensive backs, so they're likely to do that again. Where their defensive tackles are good, uh, Jalen Hutchings and Tony Bradford from North Shore, is they're, um, they're short, stocky, and quick. And they're really good at shooting gaps and moving around and uh, – so the stretch play is hard to, to execute against them, basically, right? Yeah, yeah. And pass protection is hard against them. Texas had Texas had some issues in pass protection against them last year. They also had some short yardage issues where uh, those guys would like slant a gap and beat 
like a freshman Cole Hudson who's really had a tough time in that game. Um, so they, they're very good at that style, but that style works. It's, it's, if you can blow the, blow the doors off their back end with some quick shots, then they're kind of, their whole system can kind of unravel. And I don't know how effective they would be playing a more conservative style. They're like very aggressive. So um, I think they'll just try to match up with Texas and hope they get enough stops to outscore them. I don't think they're going to be good at playing a ultra conservative bin dump break style, even if McGuire wanted to, right? That's, and that's not really his MO. Yep. Speaking with Ian Boyd, Exodus expert of uh, InsideTexas.com, talking a little Longhorn football, uh, particularly talking about the offensive side of the ball and the ability to run it. Uh, Ian, another thing that uh, Paul and I talked about, and you and I talked about on Friday in the live stream, the need or possibility that Jonathan Brooks is the bell cow of the backfield. Um, do you think no matter what that Sark is going to try to keep that that uh, idea that he really wants to ride one running back primarily through this season? Really doesn't sound like it, right? I mean, he's he's spoken to the effect of potentially having more of a committee. Um, you could see Jaden Blue getting in the mix. I think for sure Brooks will be the first guy to get his opportunities. They'll see what he can handle. I think Baxter will get as much as, as he can handle in terms of uh, really his comfort with the playbook, right? Like he's kind of a big kid. He's more of the bell cow power back um, prototype. He's, we, I don't think we think he's quite ready for that just yet. So, um, yeah, I, I wonder. I, I think they're, he's caught in a little bit of no man's land where um, they don't yet have the bell cow. They probably will in coming seasons. And so they may go to committee in the, in the interim. All right. Uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting because Texas has so many weapons on offense and what people do to try to stop them. The primary um, style of defense that concerns you the most with tech playing against opponents is the, is it the three, three, five, the, what do you call it? The overhang, what do you call it? Flyover. Flyover. Is that the defense that has given Steve Sarkeesian the most problems I mean, I know Arkansas played it when they got swamped in Fayetteville. I know TCU played it last year uh, in Austin and, and really gave Texas problems. Is that the one that seems to give Steve Sarkeesian and his offensive scheme the most issues? I think so. Because Sark really, at the end of the day, would love to you know take shots way down the field with really fast receivers and play action. Or if you're backing up, to just pound you in the trenches. And just kind of either or, right? And the flyover is actually designed to specifically deny those two things. Like it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death 
in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook Games. Loads the interior and mucks up the works on like inside zone type runs by putting like three big guys there, and then it has linebackers in position to close on the run as well. But then it has three deep safeties, and so it's almost like a um, it's almost like a Tampa two defense, a modified Tampa two um, that's a little more resistant to like a college run game. So to real, I mean, Sark has found ways to pass. He, he beat a couple flyover teams last year. His, um, his jumbo tight end sets really useful. Who so are those? Like, Who are those teams? The Iowa state and Kansas state had problems because he would put like Andre carriage on the line. Right. And then they would have these smaller defensive ends and they would have these three down lines. And so they might be really stout and nose tackle. But then they might have like Kansas State would play like a pair of 250 pound ends, right? And those guys would have problems when all of a sudden the other team has, you know, Christian Jones at 320 pounds on their inside shoulder and on their outside shoulder, you know, 290 pound Andre Karich or 250 pound great blocker Gunnar Helm. Um, though, so they would be able to, they ran the ball really well on Iowa State and Kansas State by just kind of, circumventing the nose and hammering those spots. TCU had bigger guys. They had more guys in the box. They couldn't do anything against them. Um, so in general, the flyover takes away Sark's two favorite things in theory. He has workarounds if they are not big enough across the line. And then they can always just, you know, throw dropback throws underneath all day. I think the flyover is vulnerable to teams that can do that. Whether or not Texas does that this season it seems like they might because they'll have so many receivers and Quinn Ewers is a little more experienced, but uh, they are, they are troublesome just for, if nothing else, forcing you to turn the page from page one or two of the playbook to, you know, page five or six. Let me ask you this. Uh, speaking with Ian Boyd, X and O's expert of, uh, uh, for InsideTexas.com, what kind of defense does Dave Aranda run at Baylor and how is that different than the flyover? Dave Aranda, he does do some of the same three down kind of deals, especially last year. Uh, the same. He, but he the reason I, I want to say this, I want to mention this. The reason I asked that, Ian, is because they had two big ends mm-hmm. last year and a big interior guy, yet Texas was still able to effectively run the ball on you. Yeah, they sure were. Yeah. Um, he uses some similar fronts, but he doesn't use the three deep safety deal that the flyover teams do. Aranda will play a more traditional 4-2-5 kind of alignment or hybrid 4-2-5, 3-3-5 type deal. Aranda's calling card, he doesn't really want to beat teams with a bend-don't-break deal. He wants to beat teams with his zone blitz packages. He is just cutting edge at drawing up blitz packages. Everything that Todd Orlando was trying to do at Texas was an emulation of Dave Aranda. If you ever want to be like, what was Todd Orlando? What the heck was he trying to do? Watch 2021 Baylor, and you'll see this is what it would have looked like if, if Texas had done it right. Um, last year, what killed Baylor was their defensive backs were awful against the run. They were they were not really great at anything, but they were certainly bad against the run. And uh, Sark figured out, you know, towards the end of the game, a we can't block these guys. These blitzes are confusing 
DJ Campbell doesn't know what's going on. We, we're running the ball fine. We got to stop throwing the ball, just run the ball. Secondly, they realized that uh, Baylor's nickel and their defensive backs were just not fitting the run well and not getting off blocks. And you go watch those drives where they're just running sometimes the same play over and over and over again, and they just ran the ball the length of the field like two or three times in a row at the end of the game. Jordan Whittington would go up against their nickel or against one of their safeties, and he was just riding them to the end zone almost every play. So Baylor was too small, too weak, not about it, you know, in the secondary that day, and they couldn't they couldn't hold up. The year before, in 2021, when Baylor stuffed Texas's run game, Jalen Peter, Houston Texan, was their nickel. And Jalen Peter, Texas got into two tight end sets and tried to run the ball down Baylor's throats. Jalen Peter was putting Texas's tight ends in the backfield and making tackles for loss, playing through blocks by uh, like uh, Jared Wiley and, and Cade Brewer. Um, he dominated them. And so it was just a, a night and day difference for Baylor between having that guy and then very much not having that guy. That's interesting. Uh, Ian Boyd of InsideTexas.com. Ian, uh, Pete Kwiatkowski's defense a little bit different than those, right? Kwiatkowski is, is kind of similar to Aranda. He, he prefers three down – or, sorry, Pete Kwiatkowski prefers four down to three down and nickel. Um, so that's a difference. But they both have that four or five-man zone blitz background. Um, they run similar – increasingly similar pre, uh, coverage packages. Um, so it kind of looks a little different because Aranda often has like three huge guys up front, like you mentioned, and Pete Kwiatkowski wants to have a couple more versatile edges. But um, in theory, they come kind of from the same sort of school, but we haven't seen as much of that at Texas from Kwiatkowski yet. I don't think Texas has really mastered those zone blitzes yet to his satisfaction to make them like a, a dominant part of the, of the playbook. That's kind of a question for this coming year is whether they finally feel comfortable doing that or if they just kind of stick with what's worked for them like the same last year. I will say this, though, to, to his credit, and you mentioned the zone blitz, Jade Barron led the team in tackles for loss last year. And that was a lot of run blitz stuff. Uh, I know he made some not um, some really nice plays in the flat. Not I'm not discounting those. Uh, but uh, he he was brought on blitz quite a quite a lot that were actually run blitzes or or uh, blitzes in general. Uh, they, um, and was able to get there. Yeah, the way they did those though is like maybe at Washington he'd bring Jade Barron off one edge and then drop a Gofu off the other, or you would see a lot they would bring Ryan Watts off the edge. But at Washington he would have dropped Sorrell off the other edge in the coverage and only had four guys blitzing. Last year at Texas they would bring five. And they, they used uh, Patterson's split field quarters coverage. They would play like zero man coverage on one side and bring a defensive back. But then on the other, they would be playing a normal zone quarters coverage. So it was very effective, confused some teams. It worked out pretty well for them. That's not what he was famous for in Washington. So I'm, I'm really curious to see if they, if they keep doing that or if they mix in some more of the Washington Aranda type stuff. That's good Good football talk here with Ian Boyd. Uh, Ian, anything you, you're thinking right now? What, what's your next couple of articles going to be about? What are you trying to – You got, You always ask me that question whenever I'm like in a, in a sort of a writer block lull. I am not actually entirely sure what I'm going to write on this coming week. 
Um, but uh, if people want to hit up some questions for all we've covered today, maybe that'll offer some some fodder. I can extrapolate on these things and explain them next week. And uh, y'all can do I, my job for me and come up with my content. Hey, that's that's nothing wrong with that. Leave some leave some comments here on this video for Ian. I'll pass them along to him, uh, and you guys can go from there. All right, Ian, I appreciate you very much. Once again, very educational. I hope the Longhorn fans enjoyed it. I certainly did. For Ian Boyd, I'm Bobby Burton. That's been Sundays on Texas Football.